mentioned to you last week a little bit about my story of how I kind of wound up here, I guess. And for a recap, those of you that were that were gone, Mark put it best last week when uh, when I said I was told they would devise my exit strategy at the previous church, and he said you're fired. And I said, yeah, that's it. So uh, not not an easier way to to put it. That's what happened. I was let go from a previous church. I was a youth pastor there, and and. Uh, became obvious that we could not coexist, and so I was uh, told my exit strategy would be devised, and it was. And so in, uh, in May of 2007, we were, or eight rather, we were without a job. We had a, a relative newborn, Nora was, was uh, born in September of that previous year, and, and so there we were with no job. Uh, and we, of course, if you've had a no job situation, you know, that also comes with no money. They don't, they don't typically pay you for not working. So, uh, so anyway, I had no job, no money and, uh, and a house payment that we had uh, just incurred because we bought a house. And so there we are down in Atlanta, Georgia and wondering what's going on. And I, and I'll be honest with you, I was really uh, confused. I was wondering, is it time to just get out of ministry? Is it, is it over? I'd been in ministry for just five years and I thought, well, I, you know, what can I do now? I, I didn't see any particular particular way through. I didn't know what was ahead. I, maybe you've been there and I didn't know what to do next. And so I, I tried, you know, just every particular avenue I could think of to just find something to do and nothing was working out. It just, nothing was happening. And so, uh, you know, three kids, a mortgage, nowhere to go. And, and, and when I look back on that time, I'm reminded of a very important Bible word. If, if you know there, there are a few really, really important Bible words that you might not realize are really, really important. One of those words is meanwhile. And, and meanwhile means that something's also happening at the time that you're going through what you're going through. Meanwhile, when I look back, God was preparing me for something. Meanwhile, folks who cared about us in Murray were making some calls on our behalf to a church on the east side of Murray, Callaway County. I had passed by Elm Grove lots of times when I was playing baseball at Murray State. We would always take 94 and head to Nashville or Cookville or wherever we were going to play baseball toward the east. And no offense, I had no clue this place was here. I had no idea what was on the east side of Callaway County. But meanwhile, Elm Grove at the time was looking for a pastor. And meanwhile, the search committee hadn't settled in totally yet. And meanwhile, Jim Simmons, the interim pastor at the time, was preparing Elm Grove, doing a wonderful job of preparing Elm Grove for what might be next. And meanwhile, God wasn't done with me and God wasn't done with Elm Grove. And I think we probably both thought that, to be honest with you. I know I did. I thought I was done. And from hearing people talk during that time, maybe some of you thought, well, we're kind of done too. Maybe God's moved on. But God was doing something. And God is the God of the meanwhile. And uh, as I look back on my story, it was painful, it was confusing. I didn't like it, I still don't like it. But meanwhile, God was doing something. There's a great story in the book of Exodus, a story that you're probably familiar with. If you if you know anything about Bible stories at all, you didn't even have to grow up in Sunday school to know the story of Moses and the burning bush. You've probably heard this story, even if you've probably never been in church in your life. You probably have heard this story somewhere. And if you haven't, maybe some parts of it will, oh yeah, I think I've heard parts of it. In Exodus chapter 3 is where we'll, where we'll pick it up. 
Exodus, the second book of the Bible. If you've got your Bible handy, your Bible app, whatever, uh, just get there. Exodus chapter 3 is where we'll focus 3 and 4 this morning. And as you're turning there, I want you to consider today that God might not be done with you. That He might not be finished with you, no matter what stage of life you're in. You may be a young person and you think, you know what, I, what in the world is God going to do with my life? You might be a middle-aged person and you think you've wasted most of your life. What can God do with somebody who's just wasted most of their life? You may be an older person and you think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really almost done. Literally, I'm almost done. I don't know what else to do. What could God really want to do with me? I want you to consider this morning that no matter how good or how bad things are, no matter what state of life you may be in, that God might not be done with you. And no matter how great things or bad things may go here at church or have gone in the past, let's consider that God might not be done with Elm Grove Baptist Church, that the best days may lay ahead for you, for our church, for our community, and so on. And God might just call us beyond where we are right now, individually and collectively. So look at it with me in chapter 3, verse 1, when it says the word in the translation we're using this morning, meanwhile... Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Stop there for just a second. Meanwhile, Moses is out tending the sheep. It says, and I love this, on the far side of the wilderness, literally the backside of the backside of the backside of nowhere. That's where he is. He's way, way out there. Now, meanwhile, what is that pointing to? Well, it points to chapter 2. Here's all the stuff that had happened, and then meanwhile, Moses is out tending sheep. If you know a little bit about Moses' story, see the beginning of chapter 2. Flip back just a little bit. Look at the beginning of chapter 2. Talking about Moses' birth. It was during a time when the Egyptian king, the Pharaoh, had said that you, that he told, he told all the people, kill all the baby boys that are born to the Hebrew people. Kill all of them. They were getting too numerous, and he was a little bit afraid that one day they, the slaves, the Hebrew slaves of the Egyptians, might rise up and take over and rebel. And so he says, we can prevent some of that if we will kill the youngest males, and that way one day the population will be diminished. Moses is born to his mother, and she and, and her daughter, they place Moses in a little reed basket, maybe you know the story, and they float him down the Nile River, and there he is, and his sister's kind of watching and hoping that, that he'll be taken care of, and, and then who shows up but the daughter of Pharaoh? She's coming down to take a bath there in the Nile, and, and lo and behold, meanwhile, there's Moses floating around, little baby. And she takes him in, right? You remember the story? She takes him in and, and claims him as her own, calls him Moses, the name meaning I've drawn him up out of the water. And he grows up in the house of Pharaoh, a Hebrew in the Egyptian court. And then he comes of age and sees a, a Hebrew being mistreated by his Egyptian master. And what does Moses do? Hey, buddy, you're not supposed to do that. If you wouldn't mind, uh, you know, let's treat these guys with some respect. What does Moses do? Kills a dude. I mean, he, he didn't waste any time. He ain't talking about it. Nope, we're just, here we go. It's on. And he fights him to the death. Moses is apparently a pretty tough dude. I don't know. Fights him to the death and kills the guy and buries him in the sand. And then the next day, he finds two Hebrews fighting against one another. 
to, to slaves. And, and, and he says, hey guys, what are you doing? You need to stop. These, these, are your, these are your people. And what do they say to him? What are you going to do? Kill us like you killed the Egyptian? And Moses is outed, if you will. His secret is out. And he runs. And chapter 2 is filled with Moses, this, this little baby, and then Moses, this grown man who commits a murder, and then is a fugitive from the law, from Pharaoh. Time goes on, he winds up with, with this particular family, he marries one of the daughters, and, and then we get in chapter 2, the end of it, God is about ready to do something for the Hebrew slaves. And meanwhile, Moses is out tending sheep. Look at chapter 3 as we continue in verse 2. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire within a bush. As Moses looked, he saw that the bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. So Moses thought, and Moses is writing this, by the way. Moses thought, I must go over and look at this remarkable sight. Why isn't the bush burning up? How would you write that about yourself? I don't know, it's just kind of fascinating to me. He's the, he's the author writing his story, and he's telling us his thoughts. There's a bush that's on fire. Normally, it disintegrates, and it burns itself up. Something's different. I'm checking it out. Here he goes, verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, he said. Do not come any closer, God said. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he continued, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people in Egypt, and I've heard them crying out because of their oppressors, and I know about their sufferings. I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them from that land to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the territory of lots of ites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. We the Elm Groveites. I don't know. The Israelites cry for help has come to me, and I've also seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Stop there. Can you imagine Moses in this conversation with God? First of all, he's scared to death. God himself is speaking to Moses from this random bush that's on fire that's not being consumed. That in and of itself is odd. And then God says, hey, listen, I know all about what's going on. You realize it had been 40 years since Moses had been there in Egypt? On the run for 40 years. And he's probably at this point kind of nodding along. Yeah, God, I, you know, I remember what it was like for those folks. I mean, it was bad. And God, I'm, man, I'm super glad you're going to do something about it. That's awesome. You, you've, you, you, you haven't forgotten your people. God says, I'm, here I am. I'm, I'm coming to rescue my people. Imagine Moses like, yeah, all right, good. Somebody should do that. You know, I kind of thought maybe I would one day and I tried, you know, I was going to deliver this one guy from this Egyptian, but I killed him and I, you know, and whatever. And so, man, God, that's super great. I think it's awesome what you're doing. And then, then there's verse 10. Therefore go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh so that you may lead my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. What? Hold on, God. Wait, what? I think it's cool what you're doing, God, but wait a minute. There's verse 10 here. That doesn't make it go. I am sending you. Imagine Moses. Man, God, it's awful. You should do something about it, really. God says, that's good, because I am. You're going. Uh, no. God, I tried that before. I mean, I, you know, I, I mean, it didn't go so well. If you don't remember, I killed a dude, buried him in the sand, shallow grave apparently, because they found out. 
got you know, it didn't work. I, I don't think this is going to happen. But God, as we'll see, was not budging. That's the problem that we're going to find for Moses in the rest of this chapter and into chapter 4. God was sending Moses, but he's not exactly keen on the idea Moses isn't. Moses is going to be asked in this to trust in the name of the Lord. God's going to reveal his name to him. He's going to tell him more about who he is. And Moses will be asked to trust in the name of the Lord as he moves forward in what God has called him to do. And I think it's this great Bible story, this story of the burning bush that shows us what it looks like, what it means, how we can trust in the name of the Lord. First, what we'll see is Moses begins where where we likely all begin, with essentially the words, I can't. I can't. God shows up and he says, Moses, I'm about to do something incredible. It's going to be great. And you, and, it, and, and Moses probably, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Moses, you're going to go, whoa, 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 I can't, I can't, I, hold on, I can't do that. I, I can't. Verse 11, chapter 3, Moses asks God, after he's already says, go, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh. That I should bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Who, there's a lot behind this question. God, who am I? What are you picking me for? Look back at verse 1. He was shepherding the flock where? On the far side of the wilderness. God, who am I? I'm just a nobody shepherd out here in the middle of nowhere. You ever felt that way? God, I, yeah, I mean, okay, something ought to be done about that. And Lord, maybe you should send somebody, but not me. I can't do that. Who am I? I'm a nobody. And in verse 6, Moses realizes, God says, or verse 5 rather, do not come any closer. Take the sandals off your feet for the place you're standing is holy ground. Eventually Moses hides himself. He can't look at the Lord because he realizes, Lord, who am I? I'm completely unholy. I'm not even worthy to stand in your presence. God, I'm a fugitive from the law. I'm a murderer. I got so much sin in my background. All right. I can't do this. I can't do anything that you want me to do. People that serve you are perfect. I can't do this. And then verse 13. If I go to the Israelites, Moses says, and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they will ask, what is his name? What should I tell them? Moses is admitting, God, I don't really even know you that well. I mean, God, how can I serve you if I don't really know who you are that well. I mean, yeah, maybe once upon a time I sort of thought I knew you a little bit, but God, I'm not spiritually anywhere I need to be. I mean, I, who, who are we even talking about here? And then verse 1 of chapter 4, God tells him some more stuff, and Moses says, what if they won't believe me? They won't obey me. But then they say, the Lord didn't appear to you. Moses said, you know what? Nobody's going to believe me anyway. God, I can't do this. And then verse 10, Moses replies to the Lord, Please, Lord, I've never been eloquent, either in the past or recently since you've been speaking to your servant, because I'm slow and hesitant in speech. Apparently Moses had some particular issue with the way he talked that he didn't like. And he thought it was a big deal because if I'm going to go stand before Pharaoh and in front of all the, the Egyptian court and then tell the Israelites, hey, I'm here to lead you out of slavery, then you need to be a really good public speaker for that. And apparently Moses was not. Maybe he stuttered. Maybe he, he didn't speak with a voice that he liked too much. You know, he didn't speak like Billy Graham. And Billy Graham passed away this, this past week. And, of course, I'd love to have just part of the anointing that God gave him to reach so many millions of people. 
But also what I'd like to have is that accent. Man, that was a good preacher voice. You know, Moses didn't have a good preacher voice apparently. Didn't like the way that he talked for whatever reason. I'm not qualified, he's saying. Lord, I, there's no way. You, you and I both know that. And then verse 13, we get to the heart of the matter. Chapter 4, verse 13, Moses says, please, Lord, send somebody else. God, I really don't want to do it anyway. I can't do this, God. Moses had some pretty good reasons, if you think about it. Okay, God said. Okay. You're right. I mean, what was I thinking? Uh, um, I, I do. I, I'll, I'll, just, I'll pick somebody else. Moses, I appreciate you letting me know all about you because I, I didn't know any of that stuff. I mean, I didn't know that, you know, that you were a shepherd, a nobody on the backside of nowhere. I mean, yeah, I didn't know that you had this past, this checkered past that's probably going to cause you some problems. Yeah, I, I mean, I didn't know that, that you and I weren't exactly on great terms right now. Yeah, I, I didn't know that you couldn't speak very well. Moses, I, man, thanks for saving me that miserable Bible story down the road when this goofball shows up with Pharaoh, you know. Thanks, Moses. I appreciate it. So I'll leave you alone. It's really no big deal. Um, you know, you got sheep to tend to anyway. It's not at all what God says, if you know the story. Moses is about to learn to trust in the name of the Lord. God's not going anywhere. Moses can tell him, I can't all day long. And as my dad used to say, God's going to tell him, can't never did nothing. God's not going away. Moses was not going to be able to talk his way out of this one. By the way, it's ironic, don't you think, that Moses was trying to talk God out of what God wanted him to do by saying, I can't talk my way out of anything. Anyway, so Moses says, I can't. And here's what he's going to learn. I can't, but he can. I can't, but he can. Look at chapter 3, verse 13. Moses asked God, if I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name, what should I tell them? Moses asked really the perfect question. At first he says, who am I? I can't do this. But then he says, and he sets himself up really. Moses is not as smart as he thinks he is. He sets himself up by saying, God, who are you? Which is really the best question to ask. Moses was trying to put the focus on himself. Lord, who am I? I can't do this. You know, I'm no good at this stuff. And then he says, but Lord, who are you? And then verse 14, God replied to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. That's one of the most confusing verses in all the Bible. In the world does that mean? What's your name? I am who I am. That's the way you should introduce yourself to somebody next time, by the way. Hey, nice to meet you. Tell me your name. I am who I am. You should get a sticker. Hello, my name is I am who I am. Anyway, y'all, come on. That's kind of funny, really. Anyway, God reveals who he is, okay? He gives us this name that's a little bit confusing. What does that actually mean? But if you know about names in the Bible, okay, now we name our kids a variety of things. Some of you name your kids stuff just to confuse them on spelling when they're trying to spell it in the first grade. Okay, I'm convinced of that. You just, you know, just put some extra letters in there and some stuff and, you know, a silent letter over here and whatever. You just throw some stuff in there, right? And so we name our kids some random things. Maybe it's a family name. Maybe we just like the way that it sounded. Maybe we saw it in a book. 
book. Maybe we saw it in a movie one time, whatever. We name our kids some stuff, and maybe it has meaning, maybe it doesn't. But when God reveals his name, when there are names in the Bible, guess what? It's got some major meaning. So it's not God just randomly saying, I am who I am. It's not some trying to be confusing phrase. It is God revealing something about his character. A name in the Bible points to who the person really is. And so when God reveals his name to Moses, he's saying, here's why you can trust me. Trust in the name of the Lord. Here's why. Here's who I am. God, as I said in verse 1 of chapter 3, is the God of the meanwhile. He wasn't done with Moses. Moses was a shepherd. What did God call him to do for the people of Israel to be their shepherd? For 40 years, Moses prepared for the role he didn't know God was going to give him. And right now, wherever you may be, I am convinced of this. Based upon what I see in scripture, what I've seen in the lives of people, what I've seen in my own life, I am convinced that wherever you are right now, God is preparing you for what he has for you next that you don't even know is coming. You don't even know what role it is that God is going to have you play next. But he's preparing you right now, wherever you may be. And I don't know what stage of life you may find yourself in. Very frustrating, very fulfilling, I don't know. But right now, God is preparing you. Moses was a shepherd on the backside of nowhere for 40 years. And that's exactly where God wanted him to be. Because had he not learned to be a shepherd... He could have never led the people as God wanted him to lead them. They needed a shepherd. They needed someone like Moses who had been humbled, who had gone through it, and who emerged on the other side. The God of the meanwhile said, you're going to be a shepherd for 40 years. Moses said, well, that's the biggest problem I have. I don't know what I'm doing. God said, no, 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 right where I want you to be. Learn to be a shepherd, he said. And then he goes in verse 6, and God says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When he says Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he's talking about three knuckleheads. Absolute knuckleheads. Abraham was a complete knucklehead, humanly speaking. So was Isaac, so was Jacob. Go read their stories. They're anything but these incredible heroes. And yet, you know what? God says, I'm the God of those guys. They trusted me. They weren't perfect, but they trusted me. And I've been faithful to them through all their garbage and all their sins. And Moses, guess what? I'm the God of your past as well. And I can deal with what you've done in the past. Just as I've been faithful to these guys who were knuckleheads and committed sins and did all the stupid stuff I told them not to do, I, Moses, will be the God of your past as well. Listen, I don't know what you've done, and I know some of your stories, and some of them are bad. Oh, gosh. Bad. Let me just look around. Man. Bad. I don't want to settle on anybody too much there because you think, I don't know what, what does he know? Listen, we've all done some stuff that we, we know is shameful and sinful. It's stuff that we wish and we, we could take it back. And God, I wish I had never done that. And Lord, I know that you can't use me because I've got this in my past. Guess what? God said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses, I'm the God of your past. I will deal with what you've done in the past. God can, can take away your sin. And God can use it and redeem it even to make you ready for what he's got next. He's also the God of the present. I've come down to rescue them, the Israelites. I'm active. I'm doing something now. God is actively working. 
And he says, I'm doing this so that one day I will take them to the promised land. He's the God of the future as well, the God of hope. Moses thought his life was over because of his past, because of his present as a shepherd out in the middle of nowhere, because he had no future. All it's going to be is what it is. God said, I'm the God of your past. I'm the God of your present. And I am the God of your future. He goes on, he says, I will be with you, verse 11, 12. He's the God of not only the present, but of presence. Wherever you go, wherever God calls you to go, he goes before you, he goes with you, he goes behind you. He goes on all sides of you. There's nowhere that you can go that God sends you that he will not go with you. And he says, I am who I am, verse 14. Lots of meaning wrapped up in that name means he is eternal and unchanging. means he is self-sufficient and need of nothing. The, the bush, by the way, was burning on its own and yet not consumed. Where did the fire come from? It wasn't burning up the bush. So it wasn't gaining any kind of strength, any kind of heat, any kind of energy from the bush. It was simply self-sustaining, a picture of God. He needs nothing. He is holy. The fire symbolized that. He is personal, revealing his name to Moses. And he's a little bit mysterious. Because guess what? People have been studying for 3,000 years. What does I am who I am means? And we haven't settled exactly yet. He's a little bit mysterious. He's also very powerful. He goes on in verse 19 and following to talk about what he's going to do, what God will do to Pharaoh, what God will do to the Egyptians. And he gives Moses some signs and he says, here's how powerful I am. Look what I can do. And in chapter 4, verse 11, after Moses says, Lord, I can't do this. I can't talk. You know this. You didn't make me a good speaker. And God, you haven't changed anything. God says, I know that. You think I'm stupid? I wish we'd get those kind of words from God sometimes in the Bible. Who do you think you're dealing with, dude? I think that's kind of the tone of the voice right here in verse 11 of chapter 4. The Lord said to him, Who made the human mouth, dummy? I know you can't talk. Yo, I mean, hello. I know you can't do this, but who made your mouth? Moses, hello. You think I don't know what you can't do? Who gave you the mouth? Do you not think you are exactly the way I want you to be? Moses is blaming God here, by the way, for his speech problem. I've never been eloquent, he says. Not in the past, when, what, when you created me, God, with the way that I can't do this. And not now, even since you've shown up to me. You've changed nothing about me, God. I can't do this. God's like, come on, man. Think that's an issue? Listen, your, your disabilities, if you will, your inabilities... You know, if God were texting you, you know what he would say? NBD, man. No big deal. Gotcha. We're good. You just bring yourself to the Lord and let God handle what you can't do. He is able to overcome all of that. And even our unwillingness and our stubbornness, Moses says, I ain't doing it. God says, oh yeah, you are. And I'll send your brother. He'll help you. He'll kind of nurse you through this, Moses. You'll be a baby about it all. You're going to tell me you're not going to do it. Yeah, you are. And somebody's going to help you out. Guess what? Got you covered at every, every turn. You're going to do this because I can. Not because you can. I can't, but he can. Think about wherever you are right now. What is it that you're dealing with in your current stage of life? You say, I can't do this. I, mean, I, I cannot do this. 
And then look to the God who created you. And look at what He can do. I'll just fail. But God won't. I'm so inadequate, but God's not. I'm a nobody, but God's used an awful lot of nobodies. Trust in the name of the Lord, God says. I am who I am, Moses. Look at me. Trust in my name. I can't, but he can. And so what Moses then reluctantly, stubbornly did was finally say, okay, I I can't, but he can, so I will. Notice the wording. It's not I can't, but he can, so I can. It's I can't, but he can, so I will. Verse 18 of chapter 4. Moses went back to his father-in-law and said to him, Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt and see if they are still living. (laughs) What? That's not what you're supposed to do. Let me go find out if they're still alive. Because God said he was going to you know, get them out of there, so I guess I better check on them. Moses still, he doesn't get it. But do you know what he does? He goes. God had, had changed nothing about Moses. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Wrapping up. He had changed nothing about Moses. Moses was not an excellent speaker leaving the presence of the burning bush. Moses was not an overly confident guy. and I'm just going to go make it happen because I can do this. God didn't give him a pep talk. God didn't immediately change the way that Moses felt. In fact, he's still pretty reluctant. Let me go check and see if they're still alive. God didn't make it easy. People were still going to complain. If you read the rest of the story of Moses, they were still going to tell him he had no business doing what he was doing. But he began one little step at a time to trust in the name of the Lord, the one who can, the one who promised to be with him. And so he he went. God didn't make Moses able to do what God had called him to do. He simply said, I will be with you. You trust me and watch me do it for you. Leaving here this morning, don't leave with a sense of, all right, I can do it. Leave with a sense of, I I can't. (laughs) That's an accurate statement. But God can. So I will. I I can't. But God can. So I will. Moses was right when he said, I can't. The truth was, he couldn't deliver anybody. Not himself, and certainly not an entire nation of God's people. He was right. I, I can't do it. And ultimately, I think that points to all of us as flawed humans that we we can't do it. We need someone to do it for us. Moses and his leadership and his deliverance of Israel is just a preview, really, of what Jesus would do one day. Jesus would come and live the life that we can't. I can't be perfect, so Jesus was on my behalf. And so now I will simply live in his holiness and his righteousness by faith in him. Jesus lived the life that I can't. He died to do what I can't, which is to take away my own sin. That's what the death of Jesus did, was to take away my sin, to cover it. And he was raised again to do what I can't, which is to conquer death and give myself everlasting life. And so ultimately this morning, the hero of the story is not Moses and what he could do. It's God and what he did because we can't do it. And so this morning... 
I just encourage you to give it all humbly to Jesus. To trust in what He can do to overcome what you can't do. And then walk out of here today and this week in every situation that you face. Just repeat the phrase to yourself and to the Lord. I can't, but He can. So I will. Every day this week. I can't, but He can. So I will. For every stage of life, every decision, every difficulty, every relationship, every class, every person in your life, I can't deal with this, but He can. So I will. Let's pray together.